You are listening to the Innovators Behind Disruption, a podcast series brought to you by Evolve ETFs. The world is evolving. Your investments should too. Thanks for joining us today. I'm here with Bob Hudama, who's a professor at uh, Ryerson University in the Ted Rogers School of Management, where he delivers courses in business technology management and also has some interests from a research perspective in cryptography, uh, information security, wireless communication systems, and deep learning. Bob, thanks a lot for joining us today. Yeah, good morning, Raj. Pleasure to be with you. So let's start at the at the high level. How has cybersecurity changed over the course of the last 10 years? Uh, you, you know, uh, cybersecurity uh, involves the, the whole technology uh, field, and the big game changer uh, for everybody was the introduction of the smartphone, and that's 2006, 2007 with the Apple iPhone. Uh, the folks, uh, uh, Stephen Jobs at the time, uh, he, hit, he hit the ball out of the park, and uh, a year or two later, uh, Google followed up with the Android phone, and that really is, 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 is a device that's in everybody's hands. It's in their hands 24 hours a day, 365 days a year, and it contains a wealth of personal data. So that's the, the real game changer in terms of uh, how people use technology, and, um, and, and people uh, do all kinds of transactions with those devices. So as a result, that's the focus of where uh, information security needs to protect uh, people's uh, financial information and, and personal privacy information. So talk about it a little bit from a government perspective. You know, how do you think governments, how do you think governments are doing in terms of implementing uh, I, I, I give them a, at best a, a, a D if I were grading them, uh, or often a failing grade. The, the, the problem with uh, governments uh, is that they're very, very slow to introduce uh, regulation. Uh, often, uh, the people who, who make decisions really don't have the uh, depth of, of, of the technical knowledge, and that includes uh, people in, in uh, government positions and, and, and uh, people who make decisions on the law, and, and they often react. Uh, uh, long, long before re- legislation is, is due. So, so I think they uh, governments want and, and governments want to protect the people, but they're really slow to uh, make the changes. And especially this technology is uh, moving at a rapid, rapid pace. And I, I don't see a solution to that problem. Yeah, I would, I would agree. I would agree. But that's an opportunity for the vendors as well, too. So that's, the, so that's the, the, and, and, and working in the space to, 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 to improve the, uh, to solve the problems that, 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 that we all face. And when I say we all, that's the, the clients, uh, that's, those are the enterprises, those are, those are the governments, uh, and, and those are law enforcement as well, too. So if you talk about that, that failing grade for governments, what do you, what kind of grade would you give to some of the largest companies globally, like the Fortune 500 companies? Uh, I think you'd have to look at them uh, each individually. Um, some people, uh, some companies really excel at that in terms of maintaining uh, information security, but, but everyone's vulnerable. Uh, certainly, the leaders in, in, in the world are, are military organizations. They have uh, very deep pockets, and, and very, they're very uh, uh, regulated in terms of how they operate. So they, they have uh, very strict uh, rules and procedures. 
procedures, they have physical securities, and I have to say that uh, the financial institutions that move a lot of money around, uh, look at the credit card industry, uh, uh, fraud is, 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 is under control, it still exists, uh, but the, the uh, credit card uh, uh, people who offer credit card services are, are very sophisticated in detecting fraud and dealing with it, it, it quickly. So uh, I'm going to say that the, the banks are, uh, are, are uh, get a good grade, but then again, you've got uh, banks that get a failing grade, and that would have been Wells Fargo, uh, which was in the news about two years ago. So, so the answer to that question is uh, each company would be it could be evaluated on its own merits. Do you believe that there should be proper legislation in place for companies to have you know a 24, 48-hour turnaround for to report a breach? I don't have an answer to that question. Uh, uh, the, the, the breach could be um, a poor password uh, by the user. Uh, it, it could be caused by a, uh, a dishonest employee. It could be a flaw with the software. Uh, it, 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 it also uh, says that uh, you're gu guilty until uh, proven innocent. So, so um, I, I think what companies need to do, especially public ones, they, they, they do uh, have a requirement to um, um, respond to their shareholders, um, and, and, and those are probably the most appropriate channels. What actually happens, though, is uh, the press jumps on these, and, and uh, companies basically become front-page news when, when bad things happen, and I think that puts a lot of pressure on them to, to respond. And, and also, too, and also too, they're reluctant to respond because there could be follow-on lawsuits and, and whatever. And, and if they've got a legal team in place, uh, uh, their their response is going to be uh, uh, generally very quiet and, and almost non-responsive. Bob, do you follow some of the cybersecurity companies out there? Um, uh, only the very large ones, uh, uh, not, not so much the, the, the small, small ones. You know, yeah, you, you know something. Cybersecurity is in, in in a lot of the products. Uh, I, I do work with uh, wireless uh, systems, and uh, Cisco Networks uh, essentially has uh, pr firewalls and products, and 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 uh, they're constantly evolving and, and they're improving with with time. Um, I follow some of the artificial intelligence, and that's now coming into the information security space. Uh, uh, there's uh, great companies like RSA that uh, essentially uh, develop uh, cryptographic tools, which are uh, world standards as well. So there's some. Uh, I, I do follow the, the, the big players in the field. Actually, can you let's let's just stay on this point for a second because I think it's 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 great to know a lot of people hear about the role of artificial intelligence AI as it relates to cybersecurity. Can you kind of just give a, a simplistic uh, explanation of how that actually works and how that's getting integrated into our future? Uh, it's, it's about a two-minute two answer. Let me let me just uh, uh, talk for a moment, and, and, I'll, and I'll come around to the answer. Uh, if you recall, uh, early 1900s, the Wright brothers uh, invented the airplane. Okay, and so that was a, the first instance where man uh, could uh, fly through the air like birds. And if you look at how that was invented, uh, man uh, men look at birds and they were flying, and they, they wanted to fly and be free as free as the birds. And, and you know that technology happened, uh, but the way the air 
airplanes are built and the way birds are built, they're different. Uh, the same, th but we've been very successful with flying jet aircraft, and and, and uh, we, we uh, that's that's a major way uh, we get around today. Now it's the same for artificial intelligence. The folks at artificial intelligence uh, have been trying to uh, duplicate using technology the human brain, uh, and uh, recently uh, there's a technology that came out of Jeff Hinton, who's a professor at the U of T, who's now at Google. Uh, they're called neural networks, and uh, with the, um, the the fast computers and high, highly parallel systems, we can actually build a neural network that has a lot of properties that the brain has, and it can learn. And so we now have artificial intelligence systems uh, that are world-class at, at things like playing chess, uh, playing Go, and we're now seeing uh, the realistic development of driverless cars. Uh, so that technology is, is, is really going to be a game changer uh, in a lot of areas, certainly uh, in vehicular transport systems, certainly in diagnosing uh, medical conditions, uh, and uh, it's going to uh, change the complete landscape for financial services. Uh, information security is another application for this technology. An interesting space. So let, let's now shift to uh, the human resource side. You know, I've had a couple of other uh, guests on in the past. And we've talked about you know, why a lot of companies are uh, contracting out the, the, their cybersecurity services to big firms. And one of the things that they say is that it's just really difficult to find people, uh, talented people, in the cybersecurity space. There's effectively like 100% employment uh, as it relates. So it's easier for many of the big companies to contract out uh, that talent rather than to try and, try and hire and retain those employees. You're obviously a university professor uh, teaching uh, IT, various IT courses to, to individuals. Can you comment on, on the, the lack of resources that we have from a human perspective? Um, just a couple points. Uh, you're quite right. Uh, there, there's only a handful of individuals, even for even though even for people who have uh, some programming skills, it's a, it's a sort of a unique individual that uh, uh, is effective in the in the uh, uh, information security space because uh, the, that individual sort of has to uh, think like a criminal and, and outsmart the criminals, and, and that that's that's a unique uh, talent. And it's kind of like Star Wars. That, uh, you can either become a Luke Skywalker or a Darth Vader. The, the same, the same skills are involved. So the the the, the talent pool is 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 small. Uh, at Ryerson here, we have the business technology management program, and and uh, we have a, just under 2,000 students uh, who will graduate um, with a bachelor of commerce in business technology management. Uh, and uh, overall, the whole field for business technology management is strong. Uh, but those people who have those skills and in information security uh, land up in, in, in very good uh, spaces. I can recall two re recent graduates, one's uh, working for the RCMP, uh, investigating uh, uh, cyber, cyber crime, and, and the other individual, he's now working in Cupertino, California for Apple's headquarters, again, uh, doing uh, uh, information security for Apple. So our graduates uh, end up in a, in, in a very good career space, and, and they often have multiple offers. And that trend is going to continue, so uh, I'm glad I'm in a program where we're uh, generating some, uh, some, some, some of the people who are going to uh, be able to uh, uh, work well in this space. How long have you been a professor? Uh, it, I joined Ryerson in 2000, so it's almost 20 years now. 
So, so the reason I'm asking is uh, we, we launched a gender diversity ETF a while ago, and, you know, it opened my eyes up to the gender inequality in the workforce uh, that we have. But part of, I think, the reason has definitely been the lack of female enrollment in STEM, uh, science, technology, engineering, and math. And as a father of two daughters, uh, it made me also realize the role that we have as parents to try and, you know, push our daughters uh, to, to spend more time in those areas because it's easy for them to just say, I'm not interested in science or tech or engineering or math. Are you seeing that over the, the last 20 years, have you seen an improvement of female enrollment uh, in, in your program? Uh, I, I, honestly, I've seen a small improvement, but we still still have a long way to go. Um, I, uh, we ha have uh, the university fair that runs in September. Uh, it's run at the uh, Metro Convention Center, and, and uh, uh, high school students from all across Ontario uh, converge. And, and I talk to uh, a lot of high school kids and, and their moms and dads as well. And uh, the, the, the challenge I have is a, a lot of the teenage uh, uh, girls will come up as can, and, and say, can I uh, can I take a course at Ryerson that doesn't involve math? And and uh, the, the, something happens early on in their childhood when they're five years old or early in grade school, where somehow it's it's uh, for 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 girls uh, doing science, technology, engineering, math is, is something they shouldn't do, and that and and that problem uh, is still with us and and needs to be addressed at a much earlier level because when we get them, it, it, it's too late. Interesting that I've got students that came come from Eastern Europe, uh, Czechoslovakia, Poland, Ukraine, and Russia. You know something? Um, uh, all the men and women have a very strong math and engineering background, and that's something maybe our education system could address better. Yeah, I would agree. I think it's uh, something. I think it's changing. You know, I mean, my daughters are ten. Uh, I'm seeing a little bit more focus on math and some of the other uh, courses. But I hope that you know, when you're around, uh, still teaching in five, ten years, you start to see better improvements as it relates to female enrollment. The doors open for that. The, the only other comment I can make is Ryerson, and, and as well as the other universities in, in, in Ontario. But Ryerson is, is, is really up front in the center. Uh, EDI, equity, diverse, diversity, and inclusion from all aspects. We're looking for, for colleagues, um, uh, and, and, and we're an inclusive employer. Uh, the doors open uh, to our students for all, all demographics, uh, of students and, 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 and we find, uh, strength and diversity. So, uh, uh, that's something we, we do, uh, encourage, but, um, the engineering and, and computer science and, and, uh, uh, our program, which is a business technology, the uh, we certainly would like to see more women coming in, and that, that number is improving. So let's shift back to uh, cybersecurity before we close off. Uh, can you give us kind of your top two or three predictions that you see as it relates to cybercrime and as it relates to cybersecurity over the next five or ten years? Uh, uh, well, cybercrime, uh, I think it's a growth, growth field. Uh, just recently I watched Bonnie and Clyde movie. It was done in the 60s, and people robbed banks with machine guns back then. That doesn't happen anymore, okay? People still rob banks, but they rob them with uh, with computers, and they can be anywhere in the world. So so uh, this, this is an area that we need uh, <clears throat> better tools, and, and, and it's an evolving front, so that, that's, that's got to change. Uh, in terms of where the technology is heading, um, I, I think this this whole thing with artificial
artificial intelligence and deep learning uh, can certainly um, make the intrusion detection systems, the fraud detection systems uh, more sophisticated, um, and it, it can do the, the heavy lifting um, that, that people just don't have enough eyes and ears to uh, follow up on. And, and, and so that's, that's where the space is, is changing. And one potential game changer, which uh, I can't predict when it's going to happen, it's quantum computing. There's a couple players in the field. There's a, a cool company in, in uh, uh, I think they're in Victoria, B.C. It's called D-Wave. Uh, they're shipping a quantum computer, uh, and, and uh, they've made some sales. Google's got one. Facebook's got one. Uh, Microsoft's got one. The U.S. military probably have more than one, but uh, no one's saying. Um, if you can actually make a real quantum computer, all the cryptography tools we use today are almost instantly uh, obsolete, and that's a real fear and also it's an opportunity going forward. So I can't predict when that's going to happen, but that's something to uh, keep your eyes on uh, because that could uh, make a dramatic shift in the entire uh, entire industry. Well, that was great. Thanks a lot for your time today, Bob. It's my pleasure. Take care. You have been listening to the Innovators Behind Disruption, a podcast series brought to you by Evolve ETFs. Remain educated. Be informed. Sign up for our newsletter and learn more at EvolveETFs.com.